Salutations Woo! and welcome to the 14th episode. Oh, episode. Awesome, you gotta clap. Clap, you gotta clap. <laughs> episode number 14 of the In the House podcast. 14 I, episodes. I am your host, Evan Floyd. I am crazy excited to be here. I have not come down off the high of uh, beating oh, FC Cincinnati oh, 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 on the road oh, oh. with a shutout again. <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's something that's going to last me through yeah. some hard times. Yeah, uh, I am excited to talk tonight. To uh, we have got an analytics expert with us here tonight. Expert. We have got my co-host here tonight. We've got some chit-chat to make about uh, our U.S. Open Cup match against mm-hmm. New England. We'll be discussing the win, the aforementioned win, mm-hmm. against FC Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the rest of the night takes us. Yeah. We'll just feel things out. Probably have a little yeah. purple stuff. Might get weird. Might have time to banter. I don't know, man. God. But before we can do any of that, I have to welcome in my co-host. And so... Coming to you live from a used car dealership in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my co-host, Andy Frederick, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Two things to keep in mind about Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A, they hate it when what, I'm considered a northerner there. Sure. Right. Uh, They hate it when you say Baton Rouge. I've been punched several times. Okay. I'm glad I'm not there. They are huge fans of Tercells for some reason. Tercells? I did not. When you say used car dealership, it's a used Tercell dealership. Well, then maybe they don't love Tercells down there, and that's why those are all of the cars that are on the market. I guess. you got to really think about why they dumped a bunch of Tercells. Toyota's like, where can we put these? Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. And then you get punched. And then they, yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Did you uh, Did you get a chance to watch the Cincinnati I game? did. I did not go. Unfortunately, I know. I would have noticed you there. I'm still a little heartbroken about Harambe, so I try to avoid Cincinnati. But I understand. Um, I did watch the game with great, great joy. <laughs> I believe that. I understand that you were at a graduation party. I did, was. Did you uh, Did you make a scene? No. I very quietly demanded cheese balls. Sure. And the game on. Now, when you say cheese balls, do you mean like puffed? cheesy air or do you mean like a uh, a cream cheesy cheese spreadable on crackers cheese but really what i demanded was cheese of any sort in ball form in ball form <laughs> and they so, brought you out an entire soccer ball there was some puffs there there there's puffed cheese there was some um some fine stinky basketball soccer ball baseball sized there was a football shaped you were there to party with Havarti? <laughs> yes okay yeah I, yeah, I, I'm just saying. I like to say that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm also glad that our guest is here tonight. Let's welcome him in. We're going to make him toss a coin here in a second. But before we do, we have to welcome Mr. Austin Buchanan. Austin, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Austin, uh, we uh, if you are a loyal listener of the In the House podcast, you might have noticed on our feed last week mm-hmm. we had a uh, UEFA Champions League special. Uh, and uh, we brought Austin on for that. I was so impressed with uh, the knowledge that he possessed in all things uh, Liverpool that I thought, yeah. let's see if we can put him to work 
uh, trying yeah. to find out some stuff about our team and about uh, about our opponents, and it turned out that he was already doing that. Yeah, so, plus he has great hair. Fantastic hair. <laughs> That's a quaff right there, well, my friend. Blind squirrel finds it all once in a while. <laughs> well, we're really glad you're here, Austin, and uh, we're going to make you dig deep yeah. into your bag of tricks. Let's he's do even, it. He's got his computer out. But the first thing I need to know Ready. before we can start, before I can even let you toss the coin, I need to know, how are you holding up after uh, Liverpool's tough loss? Yeah, I had a bit of a meltdown Saturday where I looked at my wife and I just said, all this team does is cause me pain. Why do <laughs> wow. I support them? It's like wow. being... It's basically like being a, a Cleveland Browns fan. At this point, it's getting it's getting a little ridiculous. It's like the Ike and Tina of <laughs> I love you so much. Why are you hurting me? That's... But, you know, look, we weren't supposed to be there. No. Uh, that's th- I'm going to tell you the lines that I've tried to tell myself sure. over and over again so I don't hysterically break into tears. I understand. But uh, we already made a good signing, um, which is, like, you can literally track... Fabiano, wasn't it? Fabinho, yeah, yeah, Fabinho, yeah. I apologize. You can you can track where where that signing came from sure. with the analysis. So shout out to Michael Edwards and all the dudes in the air conditioning offices with the spreadsheets you're doing good work hopefully you get us back there next year and we walk away with the trophy i think that you add uh, kata to this team i think that you have a, a fully healthy sala for 90 minutes that makes an enormous difference and hopefully you find a less good looking goalkeeper for next year yeah and liverpool will be dangerous sure-handed. yeah better hands worse face <laughs> that's what you should be looking for yeah, but, ugly dudes always do a better job. Yeah, at everything, really. At everything. This ever. is just a fact, and uh, yeah. that's why I've been so massively successful in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get to be the host of the in the house. <laughs> well, that's why I'm just a co-host. I mean, <laughs> Andy's just a little too good looking to be the host, so uh, co-host it is. But uh, Austin, we're gra- glad you're here, and uh, for anybody who hasn't been listening before, uh, we start all of our podcasts off by having our guest toss a coin. Uh, to find out, are we going to do a game review or a game preview? What are we? What are we at? Uh, we are currently at eight to five in favor of oh, tails. So uh, tails never fails. Tails never that's, fails. That's analytics. Yeah, but statistics. That's analytics. <laughs> so we can expect we're eight to five heads to tails. Eight to five tails, tails. to heads. Oh, so we can expect we that can there's expect... a fifty-fifty chance of it being one no, or the other. No, I feel no. Let's see what happens. All right. We're... An unusual methodology, and it reveals another Tails. Another Tails, we have got nine to five in favor of Tails, but that means, and I'm so happy that he flipped that, (laughs) that we get to begin with a game review. And the game review was our match Uh, on Saturday night against our arch rivals and soon-to-be... yeah, I don't even have another word for it. Our soon-to-be farewell yeah. to uh, MLS. MLS whipping boys? Yeah, I have no doubt that they will be every bit as effective in the MLS as the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> and Cincinnati Reds are in their respective leagues. If you'll notice that uh, FC Cincinnati is keeping with a proud tradition in Cincinnati yeah. of since 1991 never making it past the first round in any playoff, uh, playoff wow. tournament. And uh, FC Cincinnati continues that proud tradition. Good job, boys. I have no doubt that in four or five years when they make the playoffs in MLS, they will bomb out of it first time oh, yeah. there, too. Uh, but we played FC Cincinnati. We got the 2 to nothing win mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, I think that if we talk about goals first, we will say that Cameron's was a uh, really well-taken yeah. 
a penalty, or not even a penalty, just a free kick from probably 23 yards. Does that sound about yeah. right, Austin? Yeah, about 23 yards out, uh, went through the wall. So a terrible wall from FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Snuck it between the second and or between the last and first. Which uh, it's of always them. like the whipped cream on top of a Sunday when you watch the other team realize their mistake. Yeah. Start looking at each other with their arms out and piss. And, what did you do? And as soon as it hit the back of the net, the goalie like clapped his hands together and looked at his wall, and it was like. And then each of the guys in the wall looked at each other. Yeah. Like it was probably him. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Austin is carrying any uh, impressive stats about the free kick, but I do know that I was pleased that we put it in. Uh, put it in early. I feel like it was in the fifteenth, fifteenth minute. And how uh, fast was it going, Austin? Hmm? How fast was it going? Yeah, I can't do speed. Speed. yeah we don't have the cap. Uh, we don't I quite was, have that kind of uh, right. capability. In the I'm just going to throw out random what yeah. I think are right, appropriate yeah, questions <laughs> to ask an analyst. <laughs> I, I was pleased that we found the net early. I think playing with a lead really suits this team, uh, especially with the plan that you could tell that Coach O'Connor came out with, mm-hmm. which was that they were they were not going to do anything once they got past, oh, 35 yards nope. out from our goal. Uh, nothing inside the 18-yard box. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's going to be a no for you, dog. Well, and can we talk about how impressive it is so game states matter, right? Where typically when you take an early lead, you're expecting the other team to try to equal you. So mm-hmm. they're going to start right. shooting more. They're mm-hmm. going to try. They know that they have to take the yeah. offensive action. Aggression goes up. Yeah, exactly. So FC Cincinnati had 75 minutes of trailing and still never managed to put a goal. A yeah, exactly. I mean, they, O'Connor's team did a fantastic job of suppressing shots, which is a thing that we've seen from his teams. From day one, it's been fun to watch as they develop, as personnel changes, and that's where you start to really hone in on a system, right? Yeah. Where it's him. He's good yeah. at developing yeah. a system that suppresses shots, and especially when you get, you know, listen, they, Cincinnati gave up an early goal. They're at home, mm-hmm. where you tend to see shot profiles rise a little bit. Yeah. Sure. The defense should absolutely be thrilled with their performance for that day because that, that's about as, as fine a job and it, it makes sense why, why James was raving about the performance. Absolutely. He did come out after the game and say that he was uh, thrilled with how every aspect of the game went. I think that uh, you would see later, I think 74th minute, was it? Uh, somewhere around there. That, uh, yeah, that He wasn't in long before he, before no, he got it. He, got, he took a shot from about 19 yards out, took a deflection. Two. And then Two. a second deflection yeah. popped up over Evan Newton's head. Fell into the back of the net. It's Probably like the, a little bit of luck. It's always hard to say where something's going to go without it's like the old. What, what were the old commercials where Larry Bird is like challenging somebody? Like, all right, off the bleachers, off the backboard. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was McDonald's, bro. I love those commercials. Yeah, and uh, it was. It took some funky deflections to get it go in. I don't know, you know, if Newton had that thing covered. I don't know what kind of pace it would have had on it initially. But uh, I liked that he was taking the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then you see George Davis. Mm, uh, I'm trying to think of a better way of saying pussyfooting around. Right. Uh, around the, with the ball 20 to 15 yards in, trying yeah. to find that perfect pass, trying to find one more guy to beat, trying to get it onto his preferred foot. Uh, but Davis took it, took one touch, and fired away, which is yeah. great. He was decisive. That's what you want yeah. from him in that role right yeah. there. It's, even if it's not the best decision... Sometimes you just need need a guy 
to, to, to make a decision. And he, he took one emphatically, and he put it in the back of the net. Yeah, and, you know, it was nice to see, because I feel like an underlying theme, like, for this season thus far has been they get right up on it, and they're looking for that, like you said, that perfect play. Just... You're that close, like try. Like, we don't have just, to like, pass the ball in. It, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be, be cute. Like it doesn't have to be awesome. Like just put it in the back of the net. And it's one of those times where uh, we have certain players on the team, Austin, who are more likely to take shots than others. Isn't that? Oh yeah. I mean, you you know, I don't think Cameron's ever seen a shot that he hasn't favored. Is That's that? true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you like that. You like guys. I mean, Luke last year in, in limited minutes was profiling as a guy that could get a shot off. Yeah. You want to see the guys. In, Mark Anthony K have a great MLS career. You, you bet. Were, you were good at beating someone and getting a shot off. Yeah, that's. It's nice to to see the team start to rise back up to that level when you've seen some personnel changes. And it's still early in this year. Sustained success is awesome, though. Mm-hmm. Get your shots off. We had a couple of really nice threats there. I don't know if it's more that Cincinnati was maybe trying to push forward a little bit and we're getting caught flat-footed on defense, but between like the. Oh, 68th minute and the 85th minute. I mean, a nice 19, 20-minute stretch there mm-hmm. where we had a lot of real nice opportunities. I know Oscar had a, mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful free kick. Frankly, maybe a better free kick than Cameron's. Yeah. Uh, but that Newton made an awesome save on to deflect it off the bar. We, he was lucky that it didn't bounce off of himself and go in yeah. the way that that ball deflected off the post after he got a piece of it. And then uh, we had a couple of more deflections that we had opportunities on. I know that uh, Oscar almost put one in that uh, had fallen to him at about the 7-8 yard mark, but Newton was out there in just in time. If he can, if Oscar can get there a step earlier, he can chip it over him and get a goal. But it was another nice play by Newton. I feel like we could theoretically, once the floodgates opened there, could have won that game 3-4-0 oh, yeah. without much difficulty. Because the defense was just—I mean, it was—it was dominant. I don't have another word for it. They did not have a shot on target. Their best shot—they had two real chances at goal. One of them was the free kick that glanced off of the off of the post, and then one of them was the head ball from Welshman uh, coming across the middle. Yeah, and. Those were the only two times that even they even felt marginally threatening, and that's a set piece and a random bit of. Uh, almost magic from a long ball into the corner and a hopeful cross. Yeah, a great ball by Corbin Bone. you got to give him his credit. Yeah. Where the credit's due. He, he had to put that literally perfectly, but if, if you're City at that point, you, you take that. You, you yeah. take that. You play the odds, and, you know, if it takes a miracle, it takes a miracle, and you're still in a good spot. You're yeah. forcing four great touches there. The pass has to be perfect. The first touch in the corner has to be perfect. The delivery has to be perfect. And then the finish has to be perfect. Somebody puts together four perfect touches in a row, you tip your cap and you move on. And it's really hard to do that, and that's why they had two nice shot chances on goal and couldn't convert either of them because when you only have two real chances, you're not expected to score goals. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that period of sustained success from 60 to 85 approximately. Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, City outshot them 6-3 to three at that point. Cincinnati had zero shots on target. They had the one that was the Emory Welshman header was mm-hmm. the only one that was considered a close chance, and you had four shots in central locations, two in the box for City. That's so great. you're talking that when you're drawing up a game plan, yeah, it doesn't get much better than a period of 25 minutes where, where that's the output there. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know, and I'll let you chime in if you feel like you've got a, a correlated stat here, but uh, it didn't ever feel to me like we were controlling the midfield the way that we sometimes do. I didn't think that it was uh, a dominant possession game that we played. I don't know what the percentages were. I don't. Uh, I didn't even notice. But it didn't. Watching the game live, I felt like we played great midfield defense. I felt like we forced them into places they didn't want to be on the field. We forced them uh, wider than I imagined they would have wanted to go and yeah. forced them into a lot more deep balls than they would have wanted to have played had they their choice. The way they had, I felt the way they'd been playing in the games leading up to this. Uh, so I don't know if the possession uh, was as... It, it comes out as a dominant win. Like when you look at it after the game, it comes out as a dominant yeah. win. It's two to nothing. And they didn't put a shot on target the entire night. That's a dominant win. But I don't know if all of the underlying stats would say that it was as dominant as it as the num as those simple numbers make it look like. If you're looking at touch maps, I think you could probably tell uh, there was a very clear directive to control the middle of the field, mm -hmm. cycle them wide. Are you looking at touch maps? I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when, when, when he says this, he's not like Andy and I going, it felt like it no, seemed yeah, to me like, he's know, actually looking at Here's that. factual information, so I need you two to, to I, shut up. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> I feel a little antiquated. I'm used to just like saying stuff and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I can't like... All right, so based on these touch maps, you're seeing them pushed out wide, which I feel like I called reasonably. And then, uh, how? I mean, I'm curious how our actual possession and pass completion was in this game. Yeah, it was it was solid. You know, it wasn't perfect though. And, and sometimes when you think of O'Connor's teams, you think of uh, they like to control and cycle and play attractive mm -hmm. soccer. And mm -hmm. this one was probably a little more muddied up than was normal or expected, but at the same time, if you're on the road to your rival, it's not always going to be sure. a no. pretty game. And you know the prettiest thing is 2-0. It is. And again, the early goal can change things. You have to take game states into account. The, the greatest thing is there's 14 box touches That's fine. for Cincinnati. I mean, they're, they're not generating. They can control the middle, you control your box, and I mean, that goes back to, to high school soccer. You sure. do that, you're going to be successful. And that continues to all the way through the professional level. When you start to see teams that do that, you see good things. Yeah. Now, my indoor Greyhounds team, we have a tendency to give up 14 or 15 touches in the box on any given possession. Uh, they, they generally like to pass it around on us until they find the right angle. Should have asked me to play, in. bro. Should have asked me to play. You're welcome to join us. I'd be entertained to see you, A, in shorts, which I'm not sure I've ever seen. I, I'm not, I'm so, I'm, like, I've been doing a lot more leg stuff. Okay. Um, they're pretty great. Are they? They're pretty spectacular. To look at. Uh, well, and I'll, I'll tell you this, having known you for, oh, 19-ish years, mm -hmm. uh, in that time frame, that's never been a word that's been used to describe your legs. I'll be entertained to see if that's the case. Get ready. You come on out on a Thursday night and we'll put you to work. A couple of panty droppers down there. Oof. <laughs> well, there are quite a few of us who wear panties to these games. <laughs> right, All right. Um, again... The farewell tour for mm -hmm. our games at Nippert. We may never play another game there. I mean, we could theoretically play a playoff game there this year. Yeah. We could theoretically play friendlies against them or yeah. uh, U.S. Open Cup matches well, against them. Well, we play them, Cincinnati at home. We in do have another home August? game. August. We do have another home game against them. It's for August only 5th. one of the year. I don't know the date. I think it's August 5th. I trust you. 
But Austin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. Go. Um, so the uh, we play them at home again, but that may be our last trip to Nippert. And I'll say that uh, for the game, my absolute favorite chant that we uh, leveled at them was uh, "We own Nippert" over and over and over again, and we really do. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've been to all but one of our road games there. I didn't go to the U.S. Open Cup match that we lost there, and that was a one nothing on a GB uh, goal. Yeah, which Wait, sucked so, during the telecast you know there's nothing like being at a game no. but one of my favorite things about watching a game on TV A. the assortment of cheese balls sure. but B. Uh, the cheapness of drinks they pan well that so C. <laughs> they pan I love when they pan through a stadium full of disappointed oh yeah, fans. Oh, yeah. and at one point they, like, the cameraman was just on whatever, and there was this one Cincinnati, there was, like, a chunk of Cincinnati fans, and they're all pissed, and they all had their arms crossed, and one dude, like, almost looks directly into the camera, and just flips it. the My bird, understanding. And, like, the camera pans down real quick. <laughs> My understanding is that there were a number of, uh, of people being flicked off during that game. Uh, that made their way onto the broadcast. Yeah, there, I've seen some screenshots of Lou City fans uh, glaring up at the Bailey with uh, fingers raised. I've seen, uh, and I was there. It, it they, they would have been hard pressed to film us without seeing that. But it was it was a lot of fun. There were some altercations with some security guards and really? some and some. Nah, I mean, not, and nothing even terrible. Uh, just sort of inexplicable. We scored. But, we scored the goal, and one of their front office guys came down and was like, "Hey, you guys can't use smoke." And we were like, "We just scored. We obviously don't have smoke. Yeah. Why are you telling us that? If we had smoke, that would have been the time to use it, and we didn't." And so they came down and yelled that. And right when the game started, they made everybody show their tickets. We were like, "How do you think we got in here? Uh, we all have tickets, and we're Lou City fans. Our tickets are in this section." And then also they came down and took away our flags. They wouldn't let us carry flags, which was frustrating. So, you know, just a little bit of pettiness from uh, the loose uh, from the FCC. Like karma did him some justice there. Yeah, but... got the two nothing win in our last official home regular season game at well, Nippert Stadium. They, one of their coaching staff left. Uh, got red. Got, got sent off. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he got sent off. I don't know for what. I just heard the announcement. So if you didn't see it on the, it was pretty fun watching him storm off. I believe that. And did you see the squirrel on the on the footage broadcast footage? No. A squirrel got loose on the field right around halftime, and the FC Cincinnati uh, staff had to run around and chase it, and it made them look stupid for a solid three minutes. That was delightful. Did they shoot it too. I mean, off screen, I'm sure. Oh. But uh, all right, Based that's on your accuracy. It wouldn't hit. <laughs> <laughs> I got him! I got him! <laughs> How many total shots did they take that ended up not on target? Yeah, I, I know there was none on target. I wasn't sure. There was none they... on target. They took, uh, I think, four inside the box that were wide shots mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, your likelihood as soon as you, yeah, they had four shots inside the box that just weren't. Weren't solid, and they had another four outside. Um, so they took eight shots for the entirety of the game. Two, three, four, five, six, nine. I'm it, sorry, oh, nine well, shots, nine. none on target. So the accuracy was bad. Yeah. But also, if only four of them were coming from in close, it's nice that we were forcing them outside to shoot. And then also, when you're desperate, and they were down one or two goals the entire for the vast majority of the game, the fact that they could only get that many shots off yeah. is super it's impressive. A big deal. Uh, uh, just super hats off to Hulk. 
and uh. to uh, and to Pat McMahon, who we will get to in a moment, yeah. and to uh, our boy uh, Paco, who did uh, another yeoman's job. Yeah. I thought that I, I still think that right now those are the three uh, defenders that you want in there. Absolutely no disrespect to Alexi, who I think is probably the best athlete amongst our guys. Oh yeah, uh, and no disrespect to anybody else. He's just a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Although he might not be third fastest on this team like Sean Tosh. But uh, really, really pleased with the way the defense is performing. And those three in particular just seem like they get one another really well. So that is our game review. That was a good one. Oh, well. And not just because it was a happy review. Sure. I also, feel like that was good. We had a little bit of factual basis to this one, Thank which you, was Austin. nice. It was different than us just being like, we soccered good. <laughs> <laughs> we soccered real good. Um, all right, and that will lead us to our game preview. And this is where our guest will have to really shine because my soccer knowledge about the MLS is limited to about four to five games a year. Yeah, I know it exists. That's, I, about, that's about as far as I get. I only have so much time in my life to devote to soccer before my wife starts getting really crabby with me. Mm-hmm. And I have to ration that out. And I use it to, for, to watch all Lucidity games. I use it to watch all Arsenal games. And then I use it to watch as many of uh, Lou City's opponents as possible. MLS gets shunted very deep down the list there. I'd rather watch an uh, I'd rather watch a league on game. I'd rather watch a, a La Liga game. I'd obviously rather watch an EPL game. And so I'm sorry, MLS just doesn't get uh, doesn't get their due from me, and that means we're gonna have to lean on Austin here while we discuss our next opponent, who on Tuesday, June fifth. Yeah. So. A week from now, still yeah. a week away, which is great. Yeah, uh, we will face in the U.S. Open fourth round a home game at Lynn Stadium between our boys and MLS side, the New England Revolution. Here's what I know about the New England Revolution: they're one of the original teams from the MLS. So they've been around since the 1994 inception of the league. That's a stupid name. It is a stupid name. Uh, they go by the Revs amongst it's their fans. It's even worse. Yeah. It's even worse. You don't like that. Uh, we I went on the the Facebook and Twitter pages of their head supporters group, and it is dull. <laughs> they are the most <laughs> boring. Like they are the most boring supporters group I've ever seen. What are but, they? What's their? What are their supporters groups called? Um, it was not the revolution. It's something like the revolution. It's like the, you know, the rebels. I think it's the, the New England rebels or something like that. That's, that's it? That's what you had? Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I'll tell you this. It's very homogenized. It looks like it was put together by one corporate overlord. Oh, wait, that's the MLS. Yeah. And then, uh, also... You pronounced Soccer United Marketing wrong. I apologize. <laughs> Soccer United Marketing. Um, and they, uh, it's, it's a very, you know, it's just sort of bland. Um, we, and by we, I mean me and several of the other Twitterati of uh, Lou City, uh, tried poking a little fun at their supporters group just to sort of test the waters, yeah. see what it was like. What Made fun of their page for being a little bland. And, uh, man, are they nice. They're super sweethearts. They're oh, like, hey, man, what? you know, we apologize. We haven't been able to work on it very much lately, and we can't wait to face you guys in a match. It's going to be a great game. Like, they were so darling. Like Canadians. They are. And they're Canadians for the New England Revolution. 
if Canada wanted to be a part of the revolution, they would have been. Yeah. And so, instead, we're stuck with the very polite and boring opponent. Uh, and unfortunately, that's who I know the most about. I know they have a U of L player on their roster. Yeah, Andrew Farrell. Andrew Farrell, who oh. was the number one pick in the MLS Super Draft three years ago. Oh, longer than that. Four, five years ago. Yeah. Somewhere around there, he uh, played with Paolo Del Piccolo. And so no. they were midfield mates at one time. I'm sure that he'll enjoy coming back to U of L to face his team. He didn't ever play at Lynn Stadium though, so this is his first time playing there. Hadn't been built yet, and he's very good. Uh, he, he's not just local U of L. He also is local Atherton High School. I did not know. Oh. That. So this is a true homecoming. For Super Farrell. homecoming. Yeah. So I hope he enjoys that. Hope he plays well. Good luck, man. It's great to see you back. As long as you score several own goals. Yeah. As long as you score several yeah, own goals. Yeah, as long as you do poorly. Now, uh, it's always great <laughs> when you get to back. have local products playing, and that'll generate even extra interest in the game. Maybe you've got some U of L soccer fans who maybe, you know, haven't ever really taken the time to get into Lou City, and uh, this may be the game they come out to, and it'll be, it'll be a raucous environment at Lynn. Uh, I know Brad Estes was posting earlier today that. Uh, that we are perilously close to out of actual seats, and that really? uh, tracking shows that we will sell out of seat of uh, standing room also. So uh, you, if you want your tickets to the U.S. Open Cup match, call and get your tickets. You can call any of the friendly front office Michael. ticket salesmen, Michael, Michael, or uh, our personal fan favorite Lee Nevis, Lee, yeah. and uh, or you can just go straight to the top and call Dave Wachovic and get your tickets. Uh, but they, you need to get them fast uh, so that you can watch a game that will feature. And now I'm pivoting over to Austin now that we've covered all of the. All right, Austin, how does New England like to attack us? Uh, so they're they're going to attack through their. And, and this is presuming that this matches up with how they've played in MLS. Sometimes MLS teams will get a little wonky in the Open Cup and use sure. it to get some additional run, rest some guys until the second half. Right. Um, especially, now this is this is something to remember. There is a an opportunity here for Lou City to really capitalize. Atlanta, or New England plays Atlanta United tomorrow. Atlanta United is really solid with, with a deep Very team. Very good team. Yeah. Fast team. Yeah. They're playing New York Red Bulls Saturday. Red Bulls, again, another, another good really one, yeah. good team yeah. with, with some top talent. And then... Tuesday, they're playing here at City. Which is sort of the opposite of what we've been dealing with. Right, we've been dealing with tired legs, precisely. And now we have nine days off in between our victory over FC Cincinnati and our victory over New England Revolution. I'm sorry, our game against New England Revolution. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's that point in the season, people's legs start to get a little heavier about a third of the way through the season for both leagues. It's starting to feel, you get the knocks, you get the bumps, you, you get a little bit of the bruising. So to get nine days off for Lucidity and that coaching staff to develop a game plan mm-hmm. is fantastic. Now for New England, they have to play back-to-back-to-back essentially. And there's going to be some travel days there as well. So They may have to burn some of that depth that otherwise they'd be able to deploy against yeah. us in a U.S. Open Cup match. Exactly. Now, you know, some players to look out for. Christian Nemeth, he was a Liverpool youth product, uh, had a... Really solid career with Sporting Kansas City. Okay. Playing with the Reds now. Got to look out for him. Scott Caldwell's a fantastic player. Hasn't played quite as many minutes in the midfield this year as he probably would have liked. Uh, your major minutes guys, Diego Fagundes, who was a... That's a cool name. Yeah, it's a fantastic a great name. name. Yeah. He was a Uruguayan youth 
international. Okay. There, there was talks about him getting the full call up, so it wouldn't shock me. He's one of those kind of young designated players. We're not going to call them young DPs because I just have so much. Can't quite. So can't, many issues. Can't quite pull the trigger on saying so, on so calling anybody uh, a young a DP. <laughs> uh, you know, you, kids you, don't Google that at home. <laughs> Do it. You've got Juan Agudelo, full U.S. international, going yeah, back to the World Cup we're in more 2010, with, yeah. when the U.S. was making World Cups. Yeah, back when that was a thing we did. Uh, so they've got the attacking talent. The, do they like to attack wide, or do they generally are they more of a down the middle kind of uh, uh, attacking team? Are they possession? Or they're going to use their speed. Uh, they're not going to generate a, a ton of shots. What they're going to try to do is cycle it out to their speed on the wings, okay, and then get it into Budbury, who's a great hold-up player. Sure. Who's their keeper? Their keeper is. I'm looking at the shot profile. Well, no, I, okay. if he is on their shot profile, Cody Copper. Cody, Cody Cropper. Cropper. Cody Cropper. Cropper. He's a young kid. Everybody loves a name with old. alliteration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, if I recall correctly, he was a homegrown player. Solid, you know, hasn't been outstanding, though. Okay. Cropper. Uh, I, if I'm. If I'm like Crapper. <laughs> nailed it. And then now we might see Brad Knighton in, who's one of the reserves. He's 33, so he's not nearly as young. And I'll be curious to see which one they throw out there. Um. A little bit of experience and maybe not the same talent, or a little right. bit more talent and maybe not the same experience. Exactly. You know, maybe they want to get Cropper some road, big game. This is what it feels like to yeah. have you know well, I fans behind you screaming at you. Talking. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I think this is the kind of game that can sort of give us an indication of of Loose City's profile to the rest of the American soccer community. I mean, if they come out there and throw their A lineup at us, first it'll tell us that New England wants to make a run in the Open Cup. And second, it'll tell us that they respect what we're throwing out there at them. I mean, if they show up and show a B plus, B minus kind of lineup at us, uh, then that's it's either a symbol, signal that they want to focus on their uh, regular season, which seems unlikely given the fact that they I think they're bottom third of the table right now. So it's not like they're looking likely to go deep into the MLS playoffs. Right. So you would think that they would really want to make a run at the Open Cup where it's one game at a time. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to string together performance after performance day after day like you do in the league play. Right. Uh, where you can just show up and be great for a day. Yeah. And you don't want to go out to a USL side and then have a subpar MLS season. Right. So I would expect to get something pretty impressive from them in terms of what their lineup is. And I'll be excited to see how we respond to that challenge. Uh, last year, they threw out a, a fairly balanced lineup with some youth and some solid MLS pros uh, against Rochester. And the thing was, they were locked in a battle for 30 minutes, and then Rochester got a red card, which ah. someone actually gave Rochester a red card. Good for them. After years of them just <laughs> mauling people for with no recourse. And from that point on, they were outshot pretty significantly. As you would expect. gave up three goals. Exactly. That you know, as soon as you take that advantage, even a Bob Lilly team, team, exactly. Even, even a Bob Lilly team can't play defense against against a team that would, in theory, have a superior talent. And now superior and numbers. That's just. They took advantage of that in the second half, too, and they brought in some guys and they really started generating shots, broke through, and, and got a penalty, and that was that. Okay. Well, then, I mean, I don't know how to really feel about my expectation level for us. 
I don't know enough about the New England Revolution, even after this enlightening conversation. I don't know enough about the New England Revolution to feel like I can say, man, we could play with anybody. But uh, my, my mantra is always in James I Trust. Uh, we've played two games against MLS sides, one a friendly at home against our, at the time, our affiliate or who we were affiliated with, Orlando City. And we got a win there, and that was really cool, but that was a C-minus C level side. Yeah. They played very little from their uh, from their main roster. And then uh, took Chicago Fire into extra time in the 2015 uh, U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I know a lot of people made a trip up there for that game. I did not, but I remember watching it on TV and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we could we could win this game. Should've won we should that probably one. have won the game. Yeah. Uh, dropped it one nothing in extra time, and uh, that's that's. It took a couple miraculous saves too for the Chicago keeper. It yeah. did. if I recall, they City attacked. They did. We 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 brought wave after wave in that game. Made a real effort at trying to uh, trying to break through, and, and we just didn't. But I mean, that was our team was like four months old at yeah, that time, yeah. and gave a US, uh, gave an MLS team a real run for their money, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic that a home game with this side that is so used to Coach O'Connor will be well rested. Will be facing a team that has got to be tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel I feel as good as I could feel about this. It was the most favorable draw we could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two MLS teams in our in our pod are both higher up on the table than uh, New England is. And also, we got the game at home. So we got yeah. the lowest-rated MLS team at home. Can't ask for more than that. So let's let's do a little bit of a deep dive in New England stats for a sec. So there, yeah. is, there is the expected goals metric, which essentially measures chance quality. What is the likelihood that your shots generated are going to end up as goals? If, On, you, take, if you take a shot with a man marking you from 43 yards out, that's not very good XG. Very, very low. Yeah, XG is the, the short term. Now, at the same time, if you round the keeper and square a ball with no one in front of that guy, you're expecting a, a near... 0.998. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a simple tap-in. I will say, though, I have seen Andy Carroll miss one of those. I have also over seen that. Against Wolverhampton. I will never forget it. <laughs> no one will ever forget that. <laughs> it will live on forever in infamy and YouTube. So, with that being said, uh, they're not generating... So, so James's teams tend to suppress shots and generate a ton of shots. They're not always the best chance quality shots. They're not the highest. They're not super close. We but take a lot point, of shots and we don't allow a lot of shots, exactly. which is a good combo regardless of anything else. Exactly. New England has changed coaches. They were previously coached by Jay Heaps, who is now running Birmingham's outfit. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. And Andy, what do you think about Birmingham's chances? <laughs> oh, they're fine. Okay. <laughs> And they are replaced by former U.S. international goalkeeper Brad Friedel, famous for having a very awkward half-American, half-English accent on TV. Yes, too many many years in England. um, From clubs Blackburn, Liverpool, Tottenham. Had a very nice run with Blackburn. He did, yeah, very solid. 2002 World Cup hero for some penalty save. He was. And uh, generally played solid in that tournament. So the, he's coaching them now, and 
their underlying numbers say that they're actually overperforming being where they are in the table. And they're like third from the bottom in the table, aren't they? Right, yeah. They've got a, a expected oh. goal differential of negative 3.3, and their current goal differential is 5. So they're outperforming by 8.3, their goal differential. Yeah. That's, that's So they're getting some either some nice luck or some really good finishing or some really bad finishing against them. Right, you know, there, it could be a combination. You'd have to do a really deep dive into that specific sure. team. Go ahead. For the, <laughs> give me two minutes, guys. Go ahead. But, but honestly, you look at Teal Bunbury, you look at Agudelo and Fagundes, and maybe there is a, a finishing. Sure. I'm more inclined to say that they're running a little hot right now. So just getting getting some nice breaks, the ball yeah. bouncing in the direction you want, taking a deflection you didn't expect, and uh, finishing where you want it to. Exactly, especially since you're only generating one and a half shots more than they're allowing a game. So they're generating 15 shots and allowing 13 and a half. So that's a near one to one ratio. Yeah, and that's probably not where you want to be if you're an offensive team. No, you know? if you are not uh, not a famed defensive outfit, then uh, you better be out shooting your opponent. Pretty dramatically. So, uh, give, some... give, give us an example of. You said that uh, Louisville City tends to have a big, uh, big differential when it comes to that. That we sh- shoot a lot and we don't give up a lot of shots. What's a normal kind of number for a team, and then how is Lou City different from that? Right. All right. So, if you're looking in the point five three point five four of a stat called total shot ratio. Okay. Shots four to shots given up. You are generally considered solid. Right. Okay. That's good. For the last three years, Louisville City's been around six. Oh, <coughs> hello. Well, that's better than that. That's better than point five three. Yeah, yeah. They're they're right there. You know, they're they're sitting at point six one, point six two. Last year, I think for a while they were at like point six five, and that tended to cool down as injuries hit and some other things. Right. But they have always done a great job of suppressing shots. They don't allow a lot of shots. Now they they face losses and you know things have sure. happened, but generally speaking, you don't see a lot of beatdowns that way, mm-hmm. and you you tend to at least eke out some draws mm-hmm. in games where maybe you weren't in. Well, that's probably one of those reasons why you look back at our history, and how many games can you point to where the where the final score was a loss for us by more than two goals. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's less than five in the entire history of the team that we've lost by three or more goals. And obviously, I can't remember one right off the top of my head because it goes back far enough that, you know, it hasn't happened in a, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I can't remember the last. No. For a, I mean, awesome. I can remember a couple of two game losses. Uh, but so was there a Charlotte game a few years back where it was 3 0? I think there was. I feel like there was a Bethlehem game where we lost 4 1 for some oh reason. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's, it happens so infrequently that a, it makes Andy recoil yeah. and B visible disgust there. Yeah. And, and, and B, this is all like, I think this happened. It's almost myth at this point yeah. when, uh, Louisville really gets beat badly like this. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be, I would, I love these kinds of stats because it makes me think questions like, gosh, I bet that all of your data is sortable enough that if you dive in, you could probably be checking what do those numbers look like against, you know, the top three teams from the league each year? What do those numbers look like against, you know, high-scoring teams or against low-scoring teams? Are we shutting down the high-scoring teams as much as we are the low, or are yeah. we completely shutting down the low-scoring teams and allowing yeah. that? 
I love that kind of information. It's just fun to look at and fun to analyze. Uh, we will ask questions about why you like analyzing that data when we get to the interview here in a moment. But uh, I think that now that we have discussed New England a little bit, let's get some predictions guaranteed to be uh, uh, fallible. Andy, New England Revolution at home, Tuesday, June 5th, Lynn Stadium, 7 p.m. What do you think? I think we take the W three to two. Three to two. So you think that uh, New England's uh, gonna find a way to break us down twice? Yeah. But that we will uh, t- seize the day. Now, are we gonna be? Is it gonna be a back and forth game, or is yeah. it gonna be like I we get out to be. a big lead and they catch up, or you think? Uh, I think it'll be a back and forth. Okay. Only because I don't know. It's my gut tells me. I understand. You're I think there'll there'll be some stuff that we haven't really. Not that we haven't seen before, but that we haven't had to deal with in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be back and forth, but I think ultimately we, we pull the W. All right. I like it. Austin, how do you feel about our prospects against New England Revolution? I'm thinking 2-1 uh, City win. Nice. Uh, you know, the, the schedule. Tired legs. Tired legs. First year coach for New England. I would be very concerned if I was Friedel about going too hard on this one. So I probably think that I, and he might be thinking that he can start some young guys. And with nine days with the coaching staff that Lucidity has to craft a game plan, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see them press high from the beginning, try to capitalize on the tired legs, get a quick goal, and then at that point you can sit and counter a little bit. Okay. Maybe get a second, and then uh, and you can see later you're the barrage when they bring on some of their MLS talent. Yeah, understood. But I still think that we walk out two one. I like that. I am going to go with a win in penalties. I think it's really? going to go the whole way. We're going to wear them down, and that we are going to tie one one, and that we uh, we take it in penalties. That sounds awful. And that, uh, and that, you're gonna see all five makes from Lou City. Ooh. I think that we get five made penalties and uh, take the take the win. I get extra time. I gotta tell you, that sounds like a real nightmare. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> it sounds emotional. Not it sounds uh, exhausting. But I'll tell you, if we want to take into consideration my level of prognostication skills, I guessed four one for Liverpool. So, you also, I'm not sure yeah, if you remember this, but you, you also predicted that we would lose against Cincinnati. I did. I did. I'm, I'm thrilled that I managed to pull off the double reverse jinx. Yeah. It was a... Uh, bam Bam Super Shield. It was, it was a Bam Bam Super Shield. <laughs> really, Greg was the Super Shield, yeah. although he didn't make any saves, cause, so it's right. unfair to... But probably because of the great marshalling he did of the defense. We'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that my skills of uh, of prognostication are minimal at best, but I do I think I think we get a win I think we get it in dramatic fashion and PKs sound like uh, sound like dramatic fashion. Uh, I sincerely hope that is not what happens. All right, well, I hope that it's a win regardless of how it goes. Well, yeah. So I would really prefer your or Austin's prediction to come true. All right. That's our game preview. Man, 
we're on fire with this whole uh, here's my this here's whole my data prediction. thing. Here it is. Here's a real prediction. Uh oh, he's okay. backtracking. <laughs> we're still tied after PKs, right? Yeah, well, no, how, yeah. It happens for whatever reason. It happens, right? Like nobody. How? Nothing. I'm pretty sure they just keep going. No, no. They get to that point that they don't. <laughs> They've done they all 11 players on the field. And they change everybody their mind about the rules just, of soccer. Yeah, they not change their mind, but they find in some dusty ancient, tome, ancient, uh, <laughs> ancient soccer sacred text, the rule that says that the two coaches have to knife fight in the middle of the field. I'll, do, I'll tell you this. And Brad, then we win. Brad Friedel will definitely have the reach advantage against Coach O'Connor <laughs> in that. O'Connor gets him. Well, I think O'Connor will fight dirtier. So that's, I think he uh, gets him. I, I don't want to see that, uh, regardless of the Brad outcome. Brad Friedel's every bit of like 6'5". He is a, he's, he's a big man. <laughs> and uh, do they tie their wrists together like uh, West Side Story? What do we got going on here? Yeah. Okay. Amateur night? God, I hope that's not what happens. <laughs> And can you imagine not, having to sit through fair. 11 penalty kicks and a tie at the no. end of so it? Then, so then, so if you're a fan, you're just, at that point, you're exhausted. And now you're terrified? Yeah. Appalled? Yeah. <laughs> just more than a little uh, What's a happened little to our game? Yeah. What has happened? I don't think that, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that is not what happens. And that if a knife is pulled at any point during the game, I'm but blaming it's not, you. But it's not impossible. You know, I, we have an analytics expert here. I'm going to say, say it's impossible. All right, but if Thank you had to put it, you, if you had to put it at a percentage chance, you'd have to say like minimal, uh, like dozens of zeros after the point before you get to the one, right? So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> okay. All right, Andy. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Uh, let's do some. Uh, let's do some purple stuff real okay. quick. You got a glass, buddy? I do. You got a little, uh, I do. Little I got purple some purple stuff. stuff in there. Let's uh, let's chug it down. I'm gonna have a little guzzle of purple stuff today because we've got some good ones. Ah, that was a loud. Yeah, I, I took a. That was an embellished. It was almost like a chug. Yeah. All right. So uh, purple stuff tonight. Item number one. The championship rings got uh, displayed, debuted tonight. Mm -hmm. That went to the team and the team staff and all of the everybody associated with them, other than you know me apparently. And uh, you didn't get yours in the mail. I didn't. Did you get yours? Damn it! Well, they are good-looking rings. Uh, I know uh, our man Hulk Sean Tosh posted a picture of uh, his ring next to his Rochester ring. And uh, he said uh, that he was proud to add to the collection. I'm, I'm anxious for him to add a third one this year. Yeah. But uh, cool-looking rings. How many uh, diamonds? I didn't get the official uh, diamond count, but 20, it's, it's it's blinging. I mean, we're not talking like you know Super Bowl champion rings, but I mean these it's blinging. Is it like the those weird like four finger? It's big, but it's a, you could put it on a put. single you could put it on a single finger I think, but it's big, and uh, you know. They look sharp, and there was already been discussion about whether or not they're going to manufacture some replica rings, either for the team store or possibly for a giveaway day at the stadium. Wow. I happen to own a St. Louis Cardinals 2011 World Series uh, replica ring. My wife makes fun of me when I wear it because it's a replica ring for a team I didn't play for and wasn't associated with in any way. And yet... I occasionally will throw that bad boy on. What do you do when you throw it on? Do you just walk around your house with it on? Yeah. Put it on like it's... I like to eat stuff, and then, and then it's like I see it coming at my face while I'm putting the burger in. So you're just so it, so you're saying it's just covered in chicken finger grease. 
Uh, yeah, I like. Uh, I, I like to have. Uh, I like to have a nice little ring on while I'm doing these things. I, I actually did take it to a poker tournament once. Used it as my uh, card holder. It was. Uh, you know, it's it, it's cool. How many people made fun of you when you did that? Nobody made fun of me for that. Now everybody who's ever seen me wearing it has made fun of me. But that was an acceptable use of if you're going to have a replica championship ring. Nobody at the poker tournament. No, made fun of you I was for dominating them, dude. How many people uh, were in? Uh, <laughs> uh, this one would have been uh, about. They usually have about 150 people at this. No, tournament. don't lie to me. So no, it was like 20, 30. No, it's about 150 people at this tournament. <laughs> that, no, it's a twice a year tournament. Being held in, it's a twice a year tournament being held in Westchester, Ohio. Shout out to Rob Stull, who there is no possible way he listens to this podcast. No. But Rob Stull hosts a great, uh, great uh, poker tournament. Unless you're the IRS, in which case it's all for charity. Yeah. And uh, we have a great time. No, I, uh, I used my ring for that. Uh, but no, it, when you're invested in any team, when you're emotionally invested in a team and you get to see the ring that, uh, they, that the guys that you cheered for all year, that you supported all year, that you... I mean, I don't pretend like I have any right to one of those rings. I wasn't on the team. I didn't do any of that. Those guys put in the work, the coaching staff, right. the team, the front office. They yeah, did we, shit. We didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I cheered loudly, but I've still felt like a, uh, a tertiary part of the team. Not a member, but a part of the team. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... And uh, I don't feel like it's unreasonable if you're not going to wear it to enjoy having a replica of these things. A, because they look cool, and B, I've got a lot of Loose City gear. I wouldn't mind having you know, a ring to throw next to it. If they do the replicas, yeah. and they do the giveaway, yeah. we should get one yeah. each, right? I like. I love where your head's at already. <clears throat> and put them on a chain yeah. around our neck that we wear to the games, and that uh, that we wish upon when we're not getting to see one another for a whole week. Exactly. Okay. That that took a turn. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's purple stuff number one. Replica rings. Purple stuff number two. Pat McMahon named to the USL team of the week. Rightly so. Yeah. Uh, played a great game. I will uh, defer to Austin's better knowledge about his positioning, but my take has always been he's not the most athletic guy out there, but he's athletic enough to get where he needs to be, and then he gets there and does the job. Yeah, it's a tough one. I wasn't super huge on his signing. Um, I thought for age and some of those speed issues, given the system, that there were other needs to be addressed. You could argue that Sean Francis did address those post hoc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was concerned, and you know, sometimes the eye test will kick the spreadsheet test. And it's, there it's, are people who outperform the the, the spreadsheets yeah. all the time, and I think Pat McMahon's just one of those guys. He's a smart. He's a smart player. He had a great game against his former club, which he has did. to feel fantastic. And you know what? Hats off to him. He deserved a spot. He did. Yeah. And uh, I'm on record and completely comfortable with still saying that I kind of hope that by the end of the year, Alexi takes his spot. Um, But that is because it would mean to me that Alexi had proved to Coach O'Connor that he could be trusted every bit as much as Pat can to be in the right place, to make the right decision, to do the right thing. Because right now I trust Pat. Perfectly to make the right decision with whatever's going on in front of him. But if you could get Alexi to the point where you felt as confident with him to make that right call, I think that he's just the more athletic option. And so if you, if all things being equal in terms of the headspace of the game, 
then you got to take the superior athlete. And that's why I would, I'd be excited if at the end of the year you see Alexi beating him out for that spot. But I won't be at all disappointed and will not think anything less of our team if that back three is the back three we see going into the playoffs. Yeah. Because they played so well together. Yeah. And uh, we've had we've been lucky enough to have three of the back line come on the show with us, and all of them have talked about you know just getting reps is the real key to being formulating a great back line. All three of them said you just have to spend time with each other, you have to spend time on the field together, and that you learn where the other person wants to be, where they like to be. Are they more likely to you know take a step back towards the keeper in this spot? Are they more likely to you know take four steps up the field so that you can lead them with a the pass? The little stuff that you know doesn't matter to the average fan about positioning that they have to learn about each other in order to avoid catastrophic mistakes. And can we talk about the fact that McMahon did play under Bob Lilly 50 appearances for Rochester. It goes a long way. And as regressive as that team was and as annoying as they were to play for sustained periods of time, <clears throat> I have to give credit to how organized they were. Absolutely. As someone who was a leader on that team, he, he's used to positioning himself in the right way. He's yeah. used to being able to anticipate that second ball. And, you know, you've seen that experience kind of come into play here. That's and there is something point. to be said for institutional knowledge. Absolutely. That's a great point. I think that uh, being able to fall back on... I mean, we talked about it as being his age, but it's something else I have to call it his experience. Yeah. You know, he uh, the years and reps he's gotten to put into systems like that uh, demonstrate themselves when it comes down to making the right play at the right time. And it's so enormously highlighted for defensive players because if you make a mistake as a midfielder and give the ball away badly, well, then you've still got two lines of defense behind you, your, def- your keeper and your back line. You're a forward who gives the ball away. Who gives a damn? You give the yeah. ball away all the time. That's expected. If you're a defenseman who makes the wrong choice for a half a second, then you are the you know, you are the, the goat. And I don't mean the greatest of all time. You are a yeah. horse's backside if you give the ball up in those zones. And I've Fully and a hundred percent trust that Pat McMahon won't do that. Yep. So and that goes a long way. Trust, man. Plus he's got that bun. And the McMahon bun. The McMahon bun. Uh, which we have on great authority. The team doesn't even make fun of. So that's that's really. <laughs> How could you? Something. That thing is majestic. It is. I kind of want to see it all hanging down, but uh, that's. I don't. Me. My wife will leave me. <laughs> uh, and I also think that Brian Ownby's probably a little concerned that McMahon ever decides to grow that beard out because it's a pretty good, it's a, that's a pretty thick beard that he keeps tight. Yeah. If he lets that thing ride, he'll give Ownby a, run, Ownby a run for his money. All right, third piece of news. Please check the In the House uh, podcast listing. I uh, posted up this evening um, the Wool Cup report. Uh, from some interviews I cobbled together at the Wool Cup, the charity soccer tournament played between uh, Lou City supporters groups and the Lou City front office. What position do you play? Uh, in this particular instance, I played defense. Um, our, did you do I, a good job? I played okay. When you say okay. I played okay. Okay. I, I you know... I had my moments of good. I also gave up the goal that lost the game, the set, our second game for us. What was your best moment? I had a nice little uh, spin move uh, that I dragged the ball around a defender for, and then played the ball off the wall back to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I was going nowhere, so I mean, it's not like it was. It was a moment of uh, nice brilliance, and then you know. 
cleared the ball. So it's not, it wasn't impressive, but you know, we, we were not a good team. Uh, I, I will say that Scouse's house was not a good team. You look like you've lost weight. The, I appreciate that, buddy. You've been the, running the all diet's going yeah, okay. But, uh, no, our keeper for Scouse's house, Kevin Boissonneau, the vice mm-hmm. president of the Scouse's house supporters group, he really did play well. He stood on his head, and uh, we could easily have lost our two games by a combined uh, probably 18 or 19 to nothing, but he... He really kept our XG out of whack with actual goals scored, and uh, it was it was helpful to have him back there. It was much like having the David de Gea of uh, supporters groups keepers back there, uh, changing things around for Man U just like uh, for us. But he uh, he played really well. Our offense struggled, but that's mainly because we parked the bus. We played four behind the ball most of the game. With five men on the field, and so uh, we lost our first game. We lost our first game to the City of the front office four to nothing. You lost the front office. We did, and then we lost our second game to the Black Sheep one to nothing. And so we played. We played fine. One to nothing isn't bad. Though. No, but I gave up that goal. I was well, my man, and he got he shook free. I'm still frustrated about do it. Do better about it. I should have. Fight him with the game. I should fight him. But, uh, no, there were a lot of really great supporters there. It was great for the charity. It raised a lot of money for Kentucky Refugee Ministries, which was awesome. Uh, big hats off to the Black Sheep for uh, putting that together again for the third straight year. And congratulations to the Coopers on their well-earned victory. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I will say that the podcast is up. It's got some fun interviews I did with some of the players, coaches, and uh, front office members before, during, and after games, uh, we had a good during t- games, like while you were playing, not while we were playing, but while <laughs> other people were playing. What do you think you want to do now? Yeah, hey, I'm gonna run around you now. What do you think? Watch you this do now? sick spin move. Pretty good. Oh, uh, you read it. <laughs> uh, no, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we raised a lot of money, and everybody had a great time. And the Coopers pulled down a well earned victory. So uh, it was it was a good time. And you can hear the podcast on the in the house podcast feed. It's shorter than this. How long is it? <laughs> I, I didn't check. I think probably about 35 minutes. That's not bad. No, just a couple of interviews and then a little commentary in between. For this is literally half our average. Exactly. All right, but that's our uh, third piece of purple stuff. That was that was purple stuff, man. How do you think you can improve? I'm not done with purple stuff. Oh, he's hot every time improve. I think I'm out. <laughs> Stamina would be one area where, and frankly, I think every team would have agreed. The Lou City front office team was populated by a lot of 25-year-olds who were oh, in much better shape fair. than us. Um, there were, uh, and they were in much better shape. But they also had the smallest team, so they had the fewest subs. So it evened out a little bit. It doesn't sound like it. Well, not for us. Scouse's house wasn't evening out with anybody. But uh, the against the grain team, the Coopers team, the Black Sheep, and uh, the front office, they those four teams were the teams that advanced to the semifinals. Those four teams played some really nice games against each other. And actually, uh, the, against the grain, against the, the uh, front office, that was semifinal was maybe the game of the tournament that ended up having a uh, uh, goal scored with eight seconds left to wow. break the tie for Lou City uh, to advance to the final. Broke some uh, broke some hearts over yeah. against the grain, but it was a I mean it was a fun game to watch. Like how I mean, long did how long did about it five hours all day? But most people left and went over to Blind Squirrel and got some drinks and some food in between games. Match Twenty four minutes. That's it for that tournament. Yes, twenty four minutes. Dude, just ask me to play next year. Go sprint for a minute and a half and then tell me so how you're. It's indoor, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a whole different. It, it, it will wipe you out. No. It won't. 
Now, Andy's been working out be religiously for the last 10, 12 years. He's ripped. He, he's a little ripped. But he, uh, I don't think he has any possible appreciation for what indoor soccer is like. Do you remember Matt Damon's quote from I Dogma? It. I got it. That, uh, that mass genocide is raining down uh, sulfur and brimstone is the most exhausting thing any person can engage in yeah. after playing soccer? That's why he called it that. Uh, so it, it will wear you down. I think it'd be fine. 24 minutes? <laughs> Purple stuff. I'm calling it now. Uh, I'm calling it. I gave you a little respite, a little all overtime. Right, all right. Because we got to move on now to interview our man, Austin. Oh, yeah. yeah Austin cool. Buchanan. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, We're really excited. Fun. Some really nice insights about uh, Lou City and our opponents, both Cincinnati and New England. Uh, I've called you an analytics guru. Uh, you can <laughs> you can you can follow Austin on Twitter at tracking forward. Um, it's really got a lot of cool information on it. I strongly recommend that if you're on Twitter, unlike my uh, partner, I don't do it. I know uh, if you're not if you're on Twitter, I strongly recommend you give him a follow. Some really cool statistics about uh, the USL, about American soccer in general. It's worth following, and uh, I recommend it. But tell me, Austin. How did you get into this in the first place? Is this your career? Is this what you do? No. Um, I thought it was going to be in, in a different way. So in 2011, I was a senior and undergrad at UofL. I played soccer growing up as a kid, so I moved around a bunch as a kid. We lived in California for four and a half years, really learned how to play there, really took to the sport, and then we moved here. And it's not quite the same. There's... Um, it's not as common to just play. Right. But, we, you know, I did the competitive thing, and I played in school, and I enjoyed it. Went to L. was going to be a lawyer. That was my what I had it figured out. And in 2011, I lost my father. I was 21 years old. He was 49. And so I was like, you know what? If I have a dream, if I want to do something, I am on a countdown because... At minimum, I'm going to be exactly what he was. So 28 years from that time period was all I had left. And I was like, this sounds like fun. I want to be a sports agent. Okay. So I went to law school. Super awesome. Terrible decision. No good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I I enjoyed my time at Brandeis. I'm a practicing lawyer now. So Um, it worked out a little. So it worked out. It worked out. I have a, uh, a great job with a wonderful company that treats my family very well. I do not have near the stress. I'm in house for a company. That's so nice, I don't have nice work stress. That you can get exactly. It. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but I became, I wanted to become a sports agent, and I, I wanted a niche because the fact of the matter is nobody was going to trust a 25 year old lawyer coming out that says I want to be your agent. Sure. And so my niche was well, I want to be as objective as possible with my clients, mm-hmm. and thereby being able to be as objective as possible with the team. Instead of telling a a client, oh my gosh, you're the best ever, we're going to get you so much money because you're freaking incredible, you come at them and say, here's what you're doing well, here's what you're doing badly, here's what you should expect, and here's what we can get. Exactly, and one of the things that spurred it on actually was an interview with a baseball pitcher named Brandon McCarthy, who just so happens to be a Liverpool fan. Yes, he does. And that's why I was following him, and the interview popped up. And he was saying how the analytics movement in baseball, which is very popular, very well established at this point, Yes, changed his career because he was pitching for contact. Um, and at 
no one had really done that at that point. The, the sinker ball pitchers, the ground ball pitchers, weren't a thing then. If you pitched they for were. contact, they thought you were getting hit hard. Right. And so he could actually prove that I'm not getting hit hard, but people are hitting the ball. They're just hitting it where I want so them to hit it. You can prove exit velocity and launching. Yeah, and now it's just crazy, sure. right? It, but it's awesome. If you can prove that just because they're putting the ball in play, if they're making weak contact against me, that's better than somebody who throws three strikeouts and then gives up a homer. Exactly. And so I was like, well, this sounds really cool. And then so I started doing some more research into some of the newer burgeoning aspects of baseball. And I came across an interview with Scott Boris, who's super agent. The ultimate agent. The ultimate agent. Like, the agent. Yeah. yeah. And he would make binders <coughs> with historical comparisons and analytics for his clients. And it was something that won him a lot of clients. Yeah. It also really won him over with some of the front office guys because he kind of has the reputation of being a dick. Well, because of the opt-outs. <laughs> Consistent opt-outs was uh, another part of his... Uh, he loves free agency. He does. Well, and that makes sense. So. Exactly. And he signed some huge contracts for some of the best players in baseball, so good but, on you, Scott. But he was putting together these binders, and that made you think, what can I do? What What is going to be my niche? So at that point, I started doing the research in soccer analytics. I knew that was my sport. I wanted to figure out what it was. And this was back in 2012. The wild, wild west. There was almost nothing. Nothing at that point. And I actually stumbled across Ted Knutson, who is now, I mean, just absolutely hammering it with stats bomb. I was following his WordPress blog. Wow. So this Before was Before he had moved on to uh, much bigger and better things. Exactly. And I was just inspired. And I ended up representing a couple players, one of which was a DC United fourth round draft pick. He was sent down to the USL, which is how my familiarity with this league sure. began with the Austin Aztecs. Oh, yeah. Um, which, great supporters group, Everly's Army was awesome, really? a lot of fun, um, fantastic coaching staff, Paul Dogleash was there, they had some solid players who are still playing in USL today, unfortunately... Uh, Mr. Golden decided to tear his ACLs twice. That's I, I imagine he didn't decide. Yeah, it's not to. like you know, it's I'm not. <laughs> and that's it was honestly the hard part. Sure, Travis was a fantastic client, fantastic kid, talented. Would have been an MLS outside back. It just he needed some seasoning. And then the years where he would have gotten that seasoning, he's re- rehabbing. He's from, rehabbing. He yeah. got back on the field with Oklahoma City Energy, tore the other ACL in a classic. <laughs> compensation injury and after a couple one of these instances I had a player that I thought was going to sign with me told me he was going to sign with me we were he was a homegrown player we were working on our contract with Under Armour we had everything ready to roll and he bailed at the last minute didn't take my advice didn't leave school signed with another agent and it you know at some point you're just sitting there and you're like you got to player side is so brutal yeah is it worth it? And, you know, I had a good job, and so I was like, "Well, I still want to do this, though. Like, this is fun." Mm-hmm. And right. I the know actual numbers are more fun than the having to forge right. those personal relationships. Exactly, and it, it, I enjoyed forging the relationships. And looking back now, there were a ton of things I would have done differently. Sure, but it was—it's just. I would have invented Gogurt. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Every every single. Every every single player is counting on luck. Yeah. At some point, mm-hmm. and I, as an analytics guy, to sit there and say that I was going to put my career behind luck, 
was, was kind of a tough pill to swallow. Well, particularly more so in the United States than in most of the other soccer-developing nations, where uh, it's too big. These guys have to be seen by the right person. They have to be playing a good game when they're being seen by the right person. They, the, the chances of making it in soccer in this country are so difficult just because of the size of the country. There were like 12 USL teams when I first started, maybe eight. It was something absurd. Not enough places for uh, for all of the talented young players to be able to find. Right, something. people thought NESL was actually going to be the league that right. survived back then. Huh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now it sounds absurd. Yeah. Um, the best thing USL did was partner with MLS and create infrastructure. I don't necessarily right. agree with all the moves made, but the creation of infrastructure was huge there. Went a long way. The expansions and getting... I think going to this D3 is going to be helpful. In the that will way. be key for the number one gripe, which is that the MLS clubs don't care about it as much as the non-MLS clubs right. care. And they need to be in D3. That's fine. Yeah. It's a developmental league. Sure. USL doesn't have to be a developmental league all the way, though. It there, can there's be a, a competitive league. Yeah. We, we care about our club. We care about success outside of MLS. Sure. So I, I took into this. I really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. It's something that I... Um, it's something that has kept me interested in multiple different facets and leagues and players across the sport. And now I just try to do it for fun. I do a bunch of team side stuff. I've, I've talked with a couple different teams, and they've kind of asked about my work. And so it's been fun, and it's been everything that I want it to be. And I can still go and drink a beer at a Louisville City game and enjoy it outside. And it's terrible. I know, you know, be objective. It's okay. Things sure. Are, but once I get there and, yeah, and I have the shirt on, that I'm losing my, Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, shoot the ball, even though he's 25 <laughs> yards out. I'm like, no, no, don't shoot the ball. <laughs> That's a terrible Keep shot. playing. But, you know, it's still, I, I've allowed myself to still enjoy some of it. Now, my wife will say the opposite, that I'm a wreck to watch a game with, but that's okay. I understand. <laughs> my wife will just say, stop watching that game. Yeah. Um, I'm kidding. My wife is extremely supportive of my addiction. Um, she really is. She really is. Like, really. <laughs> She's really. And uh, I will. Uh, I got one more question for you, Austin, about uh, about analytics in vague general. <laughs> is in your study of the science, in your uh, application of it, both as a as an agent and as an outside consultant, and then as just a uh, a purveyor of information, is there a specific statistic that really stands out to you as a great indicator of team success besides, you know, goals scored and goals allowed? So the easiest answer is going to be expected goals. Um, it's the most popular metric right now. Sure. People love it. it, it it's it's common. It, it's even hitting Sky Sports and everything yeah. across the pond. But what I personally think is more indicative, and it's not statistically, if you're looking for a, a just straight, you know, regression-based model than expected goals is as good as it gets. Don't get me wrong. There are objective numbers that say it is the highest, what's called an R2. Okay. It, it'll be there. Expected goals tells you what you need. But I personally, if I'm looking at a team, my first thing is to look at shots and whether or not they suppress shots. Okay. That tells me what kind of team I'm looking at before I ever do- dive into the numbers of expected goals, before I ever dive into anything else. My general basis, you, if you tell me we are shooting X times per game and conceding Y shots per game, 
I'll be able to tell you generally where you stand in the table, and that's exciting to me. That's cool. It actually immediately makes me think of a quote I remember from Bill Self, who is a college basketball coach at Kansas. When he was asked, what does he coach in terms of uh, coaching, he says that he thinks that basketball is an extremely simple game. And he says the goal doesn't have anything to do with points or how you score them. To him, the goal is every possession that they have the ball, he wants to take one or more shots. And every possession that his te- his opponent has the ball, he wants to allow one or fewer shots. Which is the more you get to shoot, the more goals you're gonna, or the more yeah. points you're gonna make. The less they get to shoot, the less points they're gonna make. So get turnovers and rebounds when you're on defense. Uh, get don't limit turnovers and uh, get rebounds on offense, and there that's that's who will win the game. Uh, that makes that made me think of that. That yeah. shots allowed and shots uh, shots fired is a great way of being able to determine who's more likely to win a game. That's a fun way to look at it. And that's why, honestly, a guy like Cameron Lancaster, who's leading USL in shots with 30 right now, is so important. You've got to have guys who can get shots. Ultimately speaking, even if some of them aren't the best, guys who can create their own shots are important. A willingness to shoot. And they will always have a job. Yeah, Someone yeah. will sign Cameron, no matter what. Even if he, I'd prefer he just did yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we'll just shoot. keep on shooting, Cameron. Maybe you'll give him a cold. Yeah. Uh, Andy now has an extremely important it. question. This for is arguably Austin. the most important question. Well, and I'm afraid that it's going to be difficult to find a good analytic answer for this, but I will leave it. To That's probably why I'm most curious about it. Sure. Fire away, Andy. Awesome. <laughs> If you had to pick a movie from the last two decades that, in your opinion, was a perfect metaphor for our championship season, what do you think it is and why? So 20 years. 20 years. Two decades. He is absolutely on IMDb right now. No, I'm kidding. He is currently (laughs) writing a formula to determine that. All right, what do you got? So, my first thought is it has to be a low-budget movie because we tend to do more with less. Operate on a shoestring. I love where you're approaching this. Um, It seemed like last year there was special moments that can't be explained even in the numbers with how it works. So, I'm going to go with Paranormal Activity. Oh, wow. Massive success. Yeah. Low budget. Low budget. Changed the genre a little bit with how <laughs> yeah. it was done. And we're changing the way USL teams approach the game. If I if I am not mistaken, it's with a pretty solid production house now. Yeah. And so, you know, you established their production company. Exactly. And also bits of magic and unexplained yeah. phenomena. I don't know, man. I feel like he did plug this into a formula. Yeah. All right, but I love the answer. I think that was that, a very that was a very statisticky answer. <laughs> Andy, do you like the movie Paranormal Activity? I do. Well, then there you go. I like a good scary movie though, yeah. and and his argument is pretty sound. It's sound. And it's it's tough to poke a hole in. It's entertaining. You know what? And that's at the end of the day, we were entertaining last year. That's true. We were. We were very. Entertaining. I hope we. I hope by the end of the year this year we are half as entertaining. Because uh, that would be a lot of fun. Man, job, making man. another playoff run would be sick. Yeah, good job. Well, so what movies have we, have we gotten? We've gotten? Snow Dogs 2. Snow. <laughs> Nobody has said Snow Dogs 2. Okay. We've gotten, par- <laughs> We've gotten Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. And uh, 
uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. Ooh, solid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think those are diverse answers yeah. and all marginally applicable. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to change the question to what it is sure. now. It's because we've gotten so many. It's not even that we've gotten like such like differing answers. Sure. The reasoning is what I'm most interested in. Oh, yeah, that's in. definitely fascinating. I did, however, get a note on Twitter that they liked that we changed it after 10 episodes, and that they think that you should do 10-episode arcs on your questions. Oof. Instead of just continually asking the same, because I mean, eventually we're going to be large enough that people are going to come with prepackaged answers. Look, Next look, week, right? Don't, yeah. don't, tell me, don't tell me what to do. Twitter. I've, right, don't. <laughs> this is why Andy avoids it. He doesn't no. like groupthink. Don't tell me how to live. All right, so uh, we're very thrilled now to have discussed this with uh, Mr. Austin Buchanan. I think we all know him a little better now. Yeah. I think we understand where he's coming from. Um, I want to banter, but I want to banter very briefly. Okay. Because, A, we are pushing up against it, as we always do. And, B, because I think this is a subject that could go on for hours if we chose to let it go on for hours. Yeah. No secret. Cincinnati got the call. They're going up to MLS. Boo. Also, no secret, they made it clear from the beginning that that's what they wanted. Yeah. They From day one of their introductory press conference, they said, you know, their goal was to be an MLS franchise, and now they've made it. Good for them. I mean, you know, you set a goal, you achieve it, I say fine. I hate that we won't be playing anymore because I think it's a fun rivalry. It's yeah. a good regional rivalry, and I think it's a shame that that'll go away. Plus, make all the attendance jokes that you want, and we do. Mm-hmm. But... It's good for the USL to have that yeah. kind of exposure. I hope that, you know, of the 20,000 plus that show up for every one of their games, that 20 of those people became fans of the USL and will still watch USL games when they go up to MLS. 20 of them. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. But uh, the question I will pose to each of you is, let's say tomorrow Don Garber, commissioner of the MLS, calls John Neese, Brad Estes, James O'Connor and says, for whatever reason, we just beat New England Revolution, and they'd rather have us than the New England Revolution. They're going to kick the Revs out and bring us in as the new MLS team. Is that something you want? Do you want to be an MLS squad? I've I'm got. Con- I'm, I'm conflicted. I am too, and I've got. I've got two answers for that. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are based on, you know. Knowledge as Austin opens it. <laughs> Shut your t- <laughs> close your computer. This is a from the heart answer. This is banter. Austin. This is we don't we're, we don't have computers during banter. for banter. Here's my answer. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You would like to be in the MLS because I think it would be good for the city. Yeah, that's true. I think it would be cool to be like, hey, we have a pro. Like that's always been the thing for Louisville Billions is like, well, you no pro team, and and sometimes the argument is, well, you know, UofL is essentially our pro team, sure. right? Um, and now it was like, well, we we have, we have a soccer team. It's a pro. That's a pro team. Like, it is a professional team. Like, well, team. Not, so I think it'd be cool for the city to say this is our pro team, and it's such a cool pro team to have. Yeah, you know what I mean. Trendy, a little offbeat. Pretty cool. Yeah, you know it, it fits in with uh, just the weirdness that the is ethos, Louisville. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, that wasn't on my calendar. That word was on my calendar. I understand. It was next uh, week. Yeah. So 
on the other the flip the flip side of that though is that I like being in the USL because it's kind of like the cool cousin of MLS. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? It's like we may not have the money and the cars, and we may not have the ladies, but right. uh, we're but way funnier. Like uh, the heart is there. Yeah, the the connection I feel like to the community is yeah. a little bit stronger because of it's a USL team, and because you almost need to have that like that magic between the team and its fans. I, I like that answer thoroughly. I think it's well reasoned, but you have to choose. They can no. offer it to you tomorrow. Are you going up to MLS? Don't tell me what to do, dude. Austin. <laughs> so dodging so and weaving. The the big thing is obviously exposure, being in MLS. Sure. Um, you know, I probably would turn it down. Okay. And, and here's the the only reason why. Um, so much of MLS feels contrived. Yes. And the the cool thing about city has been that it's not been contrived. It's been very organic. Yeah. It, extremely so, yes. And, you know, there's certainly been some, some rough patches. Um, the front office hasn't done everything great. The logo didn't go well the first time through. I mean, it feels like, though, that there is a, genu- a very genuine connection between the club, the team, the city, and the fans. Yeah, that's As accurate. As you move towards Soccer United marketing <laughs> and MLS's structure of pure single entity, salary cap, GAM, TAM, FAM, whatever. Right. You, you lose some of that. Yeah. And, and I don't know right now that I would be willing to say, yeah, we want to lose some of who we are to be the Audi player index right. specialists. Right. Global City FC. There's some genuineness that goes away, I think, if you make that that jump to MLS. There's some like, you're you, there's a sellout. Aspect. Yeah. Now yeah. sellouts aren't always bad, right? You know. No. Metallica's famous famous quote: "Do you guys sell out? Hell yeah, we sell out. We sell out every venue across the country." Yeah. Yeah, and then they. I go, I go to you know <laughs> I go to Jay Z. Would you rather be underpaid or overrated? Sure. And, yeah. and there's something to be said there. But for the time period right now, I'm fine to be a little underpaid. Yeah. Because I, it's still early in the life. I do eventually, without engaging in the entire pro-rel uh, yeah. atmosphere, I do think that at some point in time you will see a system develop where teams have some fluidity yeah. among the structure. Yeah. Well... That was going to be my point, is that if I got offered it today, I'd turn it down. Yeah. And I'd turn it down not because I don't want Louisville to play at the highest level of American soccer. I absolutely want Louisville to play at the Amer- at the highest level mm-hmm. in, of American soccer. It's that I don't want the MLS to be the highest level of American yeah. soccer. I dislike the organizational structure of the MLS. I dislike the methodology they've put in place. Yeah. I dislike basically everything that they are about. I don't like the concept of the MLS, so I don't want to join it because I don't want that to be the number one one uh, league. Yeah, I'm not saying that I think that the USL should compete directly with MLS. I'm not even saying that it's realistic for that to ever occur. But I'm saying that the more and more popular the USL can become, yeah, the more that puts an onus on the MLS to adapt or die. 
Right. And I think that D3 in particular makes things interesting. If it becomes a viable third division, and even just within the two divisions they have pro-rail, they might see how effective that can be. Yeah. And so if USL expands once more, uh, I, I think that they're already talking about it going up to 34. Yeah, that's great. 34 Jeez. teams. If they go up to 34 and that then D3 so gets... <laughs> Listen, they're going to split it. Yeah. They're going to split Still, it. Though. I mean, because think about it. You've got 124 clubs in English Football League yeah. among a very tiny nation. A tiny country. You're going to start seeing them throw clubs in communities. The communities take to them. Then what happens? Right. Eventually, demand is going to be so high for those clubs. Yeah. Yeah. What was the... I'm Like, whenever you start talking about... USL versus MLS, and not even like. What was the league that existed? The big league that was before the NBA was the big league. ABA. ABA. Well, no, ABA existed after yeah, the NBA and started, and then they. But you know what I'm saying? Like the NBA wasn't a big deal. The better example the, is the NFL, which had uh, the National Football. Uh, I'm trying to remember now, but essentially all of the leagues have had this occur, where you had a league, and then it for, there was a rival league formed, and then they either had to, uh, yeah. you know, consume. But you know the what I'm league. saying? Like yeah. that's the that that's like the parallel that I keep that it, that keeps occurring to me. Well, and that's why MLS and USL did what they did to sort of join forces the way they did mm-hmm. because MLS realized that they needed to have a support league. And USL realized that if they were that support league, they would survive when the NASL would have a harder time surviving. Well, and MLS has a, a penchant for going into cities where it's extremely difficult to get any traction. USL is able to go into cities, and because of the requirements being so much lower, yeah. they can develop real foundations there. I mean, yeah. you look at Beckham FC. Miami. Still struggling to get Can't anything. get there. And whereas uh, MLS, USL has been able to build franchises from the ground up in nine months yeah. and in cities where they desperately want it, where if you take a, if you, one of the, one of the best examples I can think of is that D3 is going to Fort Myers, Florida, yeah. which is about 60 miles northwest of Miami. And it's going to be crazy successful because it's not in a big city. It's not quite down there to Miami. It's not quite up there to St. Pete. And it's going to be great because there's no other game in town. It's what people are going to want to do. You're going to be able to develop a fan base, and it's going to turn out really well. And that team will be established before Miami gets off the ground, even though they've got $100 trillion in funding. It's a better business model for the USL than what the MLS has because the MLS is not a business. It's a company. That's an important difference. That was banter. That was some good banter. Shoot, we bantered well. I think that you really saved us by getting him to shut the computer, though. I think we may have gone down a mathematical direction that I wasn't prepared to go. Uh, I, the banter is, in particular, our time to really shine yeah. with no information I wanted to whatsoever. see the real, raw Austin. And I think we got it. All right. I personally am thrilled that you came on the show this evening. Yeah, I really enjoyed guys, it. Thank you. Andy, you did a phenomenal job. This may have been your best show. I did okay, dude. Okay. I think I don't think this is my best show. I think it was. I think it was easily top three. I'll give you top three. Not you. My best. You were phenomenal. What was the one? It was. I think it was like our our eighth or ninth that I almost fell asleep. Like I was. Just super I do silent. remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, and he even looked at me like, 
Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> well, well, and, the, and, the, and the problem was that our guest was really interesting, and you really enjoyed our guest that evening. Yeah. You just looked like you were passing out. Like, I think that we gave you too much purple stuff, probably. All right. Andy, thanks for coming on. Austin, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And so uh, we like to end every show by saying a very simple, Go, Go City. city.